Blog Talk Radio. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Jason Estrada, man, he told me, man, it's a sin. Just as much as a sin as killing a person and stealing and everything else, it's a sin for me not to be doing what I'm doing. If I chose to take the easy way out knowing that I had to give. Everybody can rap, but only a few get in these positions, you know, where they can really speak, you know, to a generation of people and, you know, have them follow most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family, never forgetting where we came from. See, you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or you're nobody. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, 
so on this first day of June, um, it, it's a pretty big month. We've got a lot going on in June, um, and this being the first day, um, it's, it's going to be turned up for this second half of the year um, in many areas that we care about so dearly here on the collective. Um, by the end of the month, we will have a new NBA champion. We will have um, several new albums, most notably the June 18th date, which we all have circled um, for Jesus and Born Center. And uh, we have a new Superman movie coming out this month, June 14th, um, which should be an interesting phenomenon. So lots going on this month, lots for us to discuss, um, lots for us to delve right into once again. Um, I am Martin Sorries, joined by Lawrence and Jason Reels. We're waiting for our fourth co-host to join us, Tommy Hill. Um, he should be on the line any minute now. I'm sure he will have plenty to add once he gets on. Um, first of all, let me shout out, um, well, in fact, let's do our, 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 our initial shout-out to Blog Talk Radio and the Keys 107 Network. Yes, Father. Um, Keys, yes, Lord. Yes, possibilities, uh, our wonderful mm-hmm. family at the Keys. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we appreciate you and we thank you. Um, I want to shout out to New York Liberty. I was, uh, per usual, in attendance last night at the Presidential Center for the New York Liberty home opener against the Tulsa Shock. Um, they won the game uh, 79-77. I hope I'm not messing that up, but I'm pretty sure that was the final score. Um, Kathy Pondexter hit the game-winning jump shot in overtime with 0.5 seconds left. Per usual antics, um, and the New York Liberty won their home opener um, it was great to see Bill Lambeer there on the sidelines uh, heading the charge. Um, really nice to see him uh, 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 heading heading the New York Liberty program. Um, uh, big things for the for the program going forward. You look for them to have a a big year this year with Bill Lambeer there at the helm. Um, and we'll be on here. I'm sure I'll have t- plenty to talk about um, as the WNBA season progresses. Um, so now to go into our our, our first segment, um, loosely based on our basketball blog, basketballfeed.blogspot.com, we want to delve right into our recurring topic for the last, what, six or seven weeks, uh, maybe a little more. The NBA playoffs, uh, we're coming down to the final stretch here. The Eastern Conference Finals has yet to wrap up. Uh, we'll have game six tonight in Indiana. We've seen some interesting events uh, play out in these last couple games. Um, obviously, the two games in Miami, uh, or in Indiana, rather, uh, game three, Miami comes out and puts on one of the best team basketball performances I think I've ever watched. Um, just completely dominated the game from beginning to end. Um, a complete effort. It was actually beautiful to watch that game three, and Indiana really didn't have a chance. Indiana came back in Game Four um, with that with a, with a strong effort, tied up the series, and of course uh, we went back to Miami for Game Five, where LeBron put together that spectacular third quarter, where he outscored the entire Indiana Pacers in that quarter, and uh, Miami came out victorious in Game Five, giving them the three-two lead. Um, if if you've seen the the, the episode description, what we've been uh, promoting as our, our topics for today's show, you've seen that we, we plan on delving into the matchups for the NBA Finals. I plan on solely looking at the Miami-San Antonio matchup because, as I've said many times, I'm, I'm nowhere near convinced that Indiana is about to pull out this series, especially now having to win two games in a row 
um, first tonight as they would have win tonight in Indiana, go back to Miami in game seven. I'm not sure they're up to that. Um, if someone else here is, then obviously we're open for a discussion and argument. Um, but I, I'm, I think I'm looking at the Miami-San Antonio series, looking ahead at, at a finals matchup. Um, but looking at, I mean, looking at game six tonight, right, um, I mean, Jason, uh, I've actually just looked this morning. It looks like David West had some kind of respiratory infection. He missed shoot around this morning. They say he will likely play tonight, but obviously, you know, the health issue is there. Birdman is obviously suspended for Miami. They took a hit there for game six tonight. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts on Indiana's chances to extend this series to a game seven tonight? Um, I have I have no doubt um, that Indiana is going to get this thing to seven tonight. Um, literally, literally, Miami has changed up their whole their whole lineups, their whole rotation in order to deal with Roy Hibbert inside. And Chris Anderson played big, big minutes last game. Um, it was fairly effective. Um, you know, uh, they, he played, he usually is a 11 to 13 minute type guy. He played 15 minutes in the first half alone. So they've, they've obviously turned to him as, as their centerpiece, um, the guy who's going to bang with Roy Hibbert and, and control the glass. I think Indiana, without Chris Anderson, is going to beat up is going to beat up Miami inside enough to to extend this to one more game, and and you know if you watch if you watch uh, Game Five, after that whole episode with 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 Chris Anderson and Tyler Hansborough, um, Miami's energy picked up a lot after that, and and that's what Chris Anderson brings to the table. So not only is he a, a, a close to seven footer that finishes around the basket extremely well and, and and does his job on the offensive end, but he he he's invaluable on defense and on the boards. And and I think that's a huge huge hit for Miami having him out tonight. Um, so I do I think LeBron can play well enough to get Miami a win on the road in a closeout game. Yes. Do I think that Miami as a whole has enough with Anderson out? Wade still kind of wavering back and forth on is is, is he healthy, is he not? Um, I think Indiana wins this game tonight solely off of what Roy Hibbert and and David West, who I think will be fine, um, can bring to the table tonight inside. And I think they control the paint. I think they dominate the boards. And uh, I think they get this thing back to Miami. So you're really looking at the Chris Anderson suspension as a as a major hit for tonight's team. Yeah, I, like. I think it's huge. I think it's huge. I mean, if you watch the last two games, he's played big minutes. Like, he's played almost starter minutes, um, mainly because he's their most reliable guy at that size who can who can kind of bang with Roy Hibbert, who can, who can rebound inside. Um, I don't. I think. I think Miami, and it's crazy to say that because with LeBron James at six nine, at their three spot, but I think they're small inside, especially without Chris Anderson. Because I don't know what's up with Bosch, but he's playing like a three man nowadays, where he's where even on the offensive end they get no second chance points because he's out on the perimeter, and and Roy Hibbert is just too is 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 too big for him. His length is too bothersome. For for Chris Bosh inside to rebound with him and he doesn't block out 
and he's not physical. So I think Roy Hibbert has a field day tonight. I, I, I see Roy Hibbert having that game four type of game tonight where he goes for a 25 and 13 and, and, and five blocks and really dominates the paint. I think, I think that's what it's going to come down to tonight. Um, I think Indiana will have a lot of energy on defense and, and they'll keep LeBron out of the paint enough for him not to be too disruptive. Um, and, and I, and I think they get it done tonight. I think this thing is going seven. Lawrence, what do you think? Is this, is the Eastern Conference Finals going to a game seven? I'm with Jay. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say it's, it's absolutely going to go seven. I think uh, Chris Anderson is a very big person to lose in this series. I mean, no pun intended. He's obviously seven feet tall. But at the same time, he's the only guy defensively that they have that they can realistically put in front of Roy Hibbert to try to slow him down a little bit. I mean, he, he hasn't done – it's not like he's shut down Roy Hibbert because Roy Hibbert has had a very good series. He He's had a – bunch of double doubles, a few twenty point games. I mean he's he's played really well and he's and Roy Hibbert is, is slowly becoming one of the better big men in in all of basketball. And but Chris Anderson defensively is able to j- just put size in front of him, just to be able to have someone in front of him. Udonis Haslam is too small to stay in front of Roy Hibbert and Chris Bosch is too soft, plain and simple. So realistically, I I see Roy Hibbert eating tonight, and I see I see uh, the Pacers able to take this uh, take this to Game Seven. I, I mean, I do I do hope for the Pacers' sake that David West is going to be able to play, and he's at least ninety percent tonight because he he is a very crucial part. He he and Roy Hibbert and ter- offensively, he and Roy Hibbert, their high low game is pretty underrated. But David West is a is an underrated passing big man. He gets the ball inside to Roy Hibbert. He pulls the four out of the paint so we so they can't swarm Roy Hibbert and creates opportunities for Roy Hibbert to be able to score in there. And so I, I think that David West does need to be on the floor. If David West and Chris Anderson are both out, I think that I mean not they don't necessarily negate each other, but at the same time it 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 it's not as easy for for the Pacers to get the ball inside to to Roy Hibbert without having David West out there. I mean, Tyler Hansborough is not going to be a threat from 15 to 17 feet where you need to realistically always have someone on him and pull that person out of the paint. David West is, which is which is why I feel like David West is very important. I mean, LeBron is LeBron is playing out of his mind right now, and and realistically, I I, I say this series is going to go seven, but I mean Miami's going to win in seven games if you ask me. I mean that was my pick from Jump Street. I, we knew that. Indiana was going to come to play. We knew that Indiana wasn't afraid of the Miami Heat. We saw that last year, seven-game series. We, I mean, we knew what we were going to see. Paul George is coming to his own and is pretty much solidifying himself as as the next superstar in the NBA, which is which is awesome to see. So, I mean, it, it's certainly been exciting. It's been great basketball, I think. But realistically, I mean, it. I feel like the Pacers tonight are kind of just going to delay the inevitable. They're they're going to lose in Miami in game 7, but they'll take care but they'll take care of business tonight and stretch just out a little bit. Look for George Hill to kind of assert himself a little bit more. He had a bad game in game 5. He got himself in foul trouble, was off the floor. When he's off the floor and DJ Augustine has to step in, it, it it's a big hit for Indiana. I mean, DJ Augustine can hit open shots. He's he's solid, but he's not George Hill. George Hill can actually create for himself and create for other for the guys around him. So I, I 
we need the Indiana needs George Hill to be on the floor more than he was last game. But I, I I feel like if everything if everything happens the way it should, Indiana's going to take care of business tonight and bring it back to Miami just to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so the the common theme here is delaying the inevitable of a fight. Um I think yeah, you, you yeah. make a strong point about George Hill needing to be on the floor. He was in foul trouble there um, in game five. And, you know, Lance Stevenson also, who's become the wild card for the Pacers. Um, oh, yeah. It seems, it seems like really every time he plays well, uh, they seem to win. Um, mm-hmm. If you look for him, you know, last game, only four points, two for seven shooting, um, and three turnovers. So, you, you know, you look for him to have more of an active game. I, you know, I, I think I think you. I'm sorry, quick, quickly. I think, I think, uh, and I meant to say that, but Lance Stevenson certainly plays better in Indiana than he does on the road. And oh, and, and let me, I, I'll say this, and 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 I mean this. Miami, this series <laughs> might be a wrap. This series might be over. Indiana might have this series if Danny Granger was playing for for Indiana, because mm-hmm. Miami has consistently left Sam Young and Lance Stevenson alone to double down and, and, and help and literally Wade is sitting in the paint and LeBron sitting in the paint. Danny Granger plays in this series, and you have to honor that guy. This series is totally different. And, and, I, and I keep thinking about that because I really feel like Indiana is a, a shooting guard away from beating Miami in this series. Absolutely. Like Lance, yeah. Lance, Stevenson, Lance Stevenson shouldn't be a starter. Even though he's been solid and he's had some good games, He's an energy guy that you bring off the bench so love that that comes in and plays defense and, and scores in transition and does that stuff. If they had yeah. a legit two man, which Danny Granger is, we all know he's 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 a he's a little above average. I, I will bring he's he's very good. He's they're, an they're a shooting yeah, he's a shooting they are a shooting guard away in this series from this thing being over already. And 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 I I just think I think Wayne Stevenson, um is is the key for for Indiana more so than Hibbert. He just has to be solid. He has to he has to you know not outplay Wade, even though he has had a game where he's outplayed Wade. But he's done a good job on LeBron defensively as well, and he's giving Paul George some rest, which is huge. So if Lance Stevenson is just solid, you know I'm not saying he has to score 20, but he if he can be in the 10 to to 12 to 14 point range and and give him some great minutes defensively. Then, then I think Indiana certainly wins this game at home, and and he gives them a chance on the road against Miami, and and if Miami, if this thing goes seven and Miami melts down, it's gonna be a hot summer for LeBron too, because cause it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get bad for the kid if, if 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 they drop a game seven at home, which I don't think they'll do, but. You know, right. it's, it's there. It's there. Can you can you put it on LeBron though? I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, I mean, we've seen what he's done. He's he, he's literally done everything for Miami. I mean, that that that, that third quarter in Game Five kind of spoke for itself. I mean, LeBron James has kind of solidified himself as being that guy. And, I I mean, we've said this, people have said this for the last, what, five, six years. They're, they're just waiting for LeBron to kind of turn up. And a lot of people said last year, you know, he kind of solidified himself with, with getting his first championship. But, I mean, this year 
And in, in, in these playoffs, I, I mean, his numbers, everything has increased. He's shooting, he's shooting ridiculous numbers from the field. I mean, he's knocking down the three-point ball on a consistent basis. I really think, I really think, if you're going to point a finger here, if, if you're in Miami and you're going to point a finger here, it has to be at Wade. It has to, it has to be saying, hey, Wade, you're not doing enough because he simply isn't. Well, I think, I think to Jay's point. Um, I think, Lawrence, when it comes to LeBron, I think, and you mentioned it, that third quarter when he outscored the whole Pacers team, I think if, if for some ungodly reason Miami were to drop this series against Indiana, it, it would probably be the result of LeBron not being the great LeBron that we've seen. I, I don't think Indiana is good enough to beat Miami if while LeBron is being that great. If LeBron, mm, LeBron That's is, true. We literally saw LeBron single-handedly take Indiana out of the game in the quarter. He dominated mm-hmm. the whole team single-handedly. If he, you know, if, if Indiana had, you know, any kind of, I mean, you know, common collective fortitude, they would put up some kind of effort against that. But if LeBron is going to mm-hmm. continue to be this great, there's no reason they should lose. So I think that's true. To Jay's I can kind of, you know, that's kind of the dynamic there. If, if for some reason they were to lose, it, it would probably be because LeBron had, you know, dropped off from what we've been seeing so far in these playoffs, which yeah. would be area for, for more critique. Yeah. And, and and it would and it would it would have to fall on LeBron. Okay, he went to Miami. He has plenty of help. No excuses now. Now I'm not saying I, if, if they made it to the finals, and and I think they will, and and. You know we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in a bit, so I won't say too much. And say they were to lose to San Antonio, then I don't I don't blame LeBron for that. Even if he plays, even if he doesn't play super well, I think the Spurs are a good enough team organization. They're winners. Like they had multiple chips. Those guys have more chips than LeBron does. So I, I think that would be it. Would be Spurs are a better team than Miami if, if if the Spurs were to win and if, if they were to see Miami in the finals. Um, so then you can't blame them. But this series right here, Eastern Conference Finals, in he has to take the league, he yeah. has to get he this is this is where he has to be that guy. And, and you know you. what I was and Martin, you know what I was expecting to see in game in, in game five? I was expecting to see LeBron in Boston with his back against the wall last year when he went out and dropped 45. Yeah. And literally that yeah. was that's my favorite LeBron game ever. Mainly because yeah. I like I like I'm a jump shooter and I like jump shooters and and and, and he that was a jump shooting clinic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was it was mid-range turnaround jump shots, off the dribble jump shots. That was my that's my that game more so than any other game in LeBron's career sticks out to me. Because that was the game he said, "Okay, I'm gonna get this. I'm, a, I'm. It's my turn. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get going." And and I don't. I, I just like the killer instinct and the score first mentality that he had that game. I think tonight, that's what he has to be focused on. On the road, closeout game. Where's your killer instinct? Where, where is, where is your sense of urgency? Where I don't want this to go back to Miami. I want let's close these dudes out tonight. And he has to be the guy to close them out. He's gonna he's gonna have to close out this game. So I'm I'm interested to see if he either shies away or if he's like, okay, let's get this going. Like like I, I'm I'm in Boston again last year, game six, back up against the wall. Let's get this done right now. 
and 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 I hope he does. I hope he comes out and scores forty tonight and and, and gets them this win, and and gets this thing over with. But it, it, this series is about LeBron James, win or lose. It's about LeBron James, and and I, uh, I'm 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 interested to see how he what type what type of aggressiveness he comes out with. And uh, and let's not forget the last time we were Indiana in Indiana game four, those questionable calls there down the stretch that fouled him out at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look for him to have, you know, a kind of demonstrative response to that in terms of his, you know, how he performs tonight, like you said, Jay. Uh, gentlemen, we're joined by our fourth co-host, Tommy Hill, finally on the line with us. What's up, T. Hill? What's up, T. Hill? What's going on, fellas? What's up, T.? We, uh, I mean, we're talking from Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, just feel you in a little bit. Um, go ahead and take the floor. Tell us what your thoughts are on uh, tonight's game six in Indiana. I'm going to say this game six has everything to do with Lance Stevenson, but for every other reason than what you guys are talking about. Because, <laughs> nah, and this is why. I saw something come out of LeBron James that I don't think I've ever seen in his career. Um, leading up to last game, the 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 huddle before the game, he's he's coming at his team, he's fired up, he's getting bleeped out. Um, you know, I, I've never seen LeBron that that irritated, and and we can all blame Lance Stevenson for that because he he went out and told um, he told his head coach he wants to the, he embraces the matchup of LeBron. Um, he he. He's he's brought that that uh, Rucker Park mentality to to the NBA to the to the, to the Pacers that that rough nose that passion, but this isn't Rucker Park. This is LeBron James, and we saw in that third quarter, I believe he hit a, a mid-range jump shot over over uh, Lance, and he had something to say to him. He chewed and him out. <laughs> he chewed, he him, chewed out. him out. And yeah, we saw I think, that. <laughs> I think Miami. Is gonna is, is gonna take is gonna end this series tonight, and I think LeBron is gonna have a big game, and I think we can all blame Lance Stevenson for that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, only, there's only there's only a certain amount of times you can poke at the beast or, or tug at Superman's cape like that, you know what I mean, so to say, you know. And I think he messed with the wrong one. LeBron, he woke him up. He's alive. I mean, he got what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I definitely hear you. So we'll look for game six tonight to see uh, if Miami can close out uh, looking for their third straight finals appearance. The last team to make three straight finals appearances, you guessed it, my Los Angeles Lakers, 2018-2010, baby, holding it that strong. (laughs) Holding it that strong. Um, (laughs) To to kind of look ahead here because, you know, again, we did all pick Miami to win this series, and – we talked about, you know, a little bit what it might take uh, uh, seemingly an act of God for Indiana to actually come out of the East here. But, I mean, let's let's look ahead because since we all picked and since we all believe um, and since we all know to be true what we're probably going to see as the NBA Finals matchup, um, let's break it down. I mean, let's look at the matchups here with Miami and San Antonio. I, I, I'm going to start it off with my prediction just off the bat. And I was telling Tommy this this week, I feel obligated to succumb to my original thesis about this season. And I said it from the beginning. And you can call it resent, you can call it oblivion, you can call it whatever you want. But I said that Miami was not going to repeat this year. 
and I, it, it, I mean, it's it's not necessarily based on any kind of real sense, but <laughs> I, I, I've always been critical of Miami, and 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 we've seen the way that the ways that they can be exposed with this Indiana series, um, and I've expressed my reservations about Indiana and, and how I feel about why they never really had a chance have a chance against Miami in the first place. I'm looking at a team like San Antonio, and I see a team that not only has a chance, but as Jay iterated before, in my opinion, top to bottom has a better team than the Miami Heat. And and you know what? Do I think San Antonio is going to win? Not necessarily. I, I think matchup-wise, I, I think LeBron is, is a, a tougher matchup than San Antonio can really handle. And I think the contrasting styles work to Miami's advantage because you've got two teams, San Antonio and Miami, that both can score and both that have high octane. They want to get up and down and they want to score points. Uh, you know, the the, the, the Spurs um, finished, I think, fourth in offensive rating this season. Um, they averaged close to 106 points a game um, in the regular season. I mean, these guys can score, but outscoring Miami is, is a tough thing to do. However, for a team like the Spurs, who, and, and I can easily, with my eyes closed, make the argument that the Spurs are light years better than any team Miami has seen so far. That's Indiana, Chicago, Milwaukee. I, I take the Spurs three hands down over all three of those teams because you've got, you've got discipline, you've got veteran leadership, and you've got stars. And I'm sticking to my original contention that it takes stars to beat stars. Uh, uh, Lawrence said it, and, and it's a great thing that we're seeing Paul George emerge as a superstar. I mean, I think it's wonderful because I think Lawrence is dead on. I think he really is next up in the line of, of superstars. He's 23 years old. But at, at this point, we've seen a guy that has fluctuated. He, he He's not ready to really take on LeBron, but, he you know, we've seen sparks. We've seen good things from him. That being said, I'm looking at San Antonio. I'm looking at Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, guys that have been there, guys that know what it takes at this level. And I know it doesn't really matter with the context, but don't forget the last time LeBron was in the finals in Cleveland was against San Antonio, and he got swept. You can call it whatever you want with him not having help or whatever. But San Antonio and Greta Popovich, I'm not going to say they know how to stop LeBron, but they've seen him before. And... I mean, I think there are individual matchups also to be considered going forward. But I'm going to throw it out there. I'm taking Spurs in seven because I think they have, I think they have the personnel, I think they have the size, and I think they have the scoring to outlast Miami. And and my final point here: Dwayne Wade averaging 15 and a half points a game in these conference finals, the lowest average of his of his playoff career. He, it, it, again, back to my original contention, a Miami repeat has more to do with Dwayne Wade than LeBron James. I think LeBron can be great against San Antonio, and I think Miami can still lose because I, I give that much credit to San Antonio's balanced attack. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with this. Uh, you guys found off. Um, Jay, I'll start with you. What are you thinking going ahead, looking ahead to an NBA Finals matchup? Yeah, I hear, I'm, I'm with you 100%, Martin. I'm I'm going with the Spurs, and and this is this is why two names. I'm just gonna say two names. And this is gonna be the reason why. Greg Popovich, Tony Parker. Popovich is one of the best coaches in basketball over the past fifteen to twenty years. Okay, I for me personally, I would go Phil Jackson, and then I would go Greg Popovich. Okay, 
his his defensive system is very similar to that of 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 my friend Doc Rivers in Boston. He he keeps you on one side of the floor. What does Miami love to do? Move the ball, get the ball to the corner shooters, give LeBron space. San Antonio is not going to allow that stuff to happen. They're rested. They're a veteran group. They're deeper. They're deeper than Miami. They have better inside players than Miami, and they have better guards than Miami at the one and the two spot. I think Tony Parker shreds Mario Chalmers. Shred all, Shred him. Literally, I, I, I promise you, yo, if this thing goes down, there's no question LeBron James is going to have to guard Tony Parker in the fourth quarter of these games. Agreed. Which is going to leave which is going to leave Kawhi Leonard, which is going to leave Danny Green, which is going to leave Ginobili with the rest of these cats, and they're still lunch meat. I think Mario Chalmers is is going to get eaten alive in this series. I'm not playing. If I saw Mario Chalmers at a point, I, I got I got something for him too. But I'm telling you, Tony Parker. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Tony Parker. Tony Parker is going to be LeBron's going to be getting flashbacks. I'm telling you, LeBron's going to be getting flashbacks when we saw Tony Parker in Cleveland. That's what type of series Tony Parker rested is going to have against Miami. I, 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 I have. If Miami repeats, I'm not going to be surprised. Okay, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going that far to say that they can't do it. I just think the Spurs are a team of destiny right now, more so than Miami is. And I think Ginobili's ready to put him put 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 down the put it put his sneaks away. I think Duncan's ready to put his sneaks away. And I think they know more than anybody else in this world that this is their last shot at this. This is it for this is it for San Antonio. And when you go when you have to play a team that has that that literally is comprised of winners. Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Ginobili, these guys are winners. They know what they're doing. They've been here before. And, and and I think they have the poise. They have the depth. They have the coaching. They have the inside play. They have the point guard. That that, that they, they're, they're light years better than Indiana. And, and Miami's having trouble with Indiana. And, and I, just think, I just think the Spurs are primed to beat Miami. Okay? I think it's going to go seven as well, Martin. Um but I think I think San Antonio is the team, okay, the team that has a better team than Miami. I think they're the one team that has the full circle of everything that you need in a good team. They have it all, and I think and I think that with no glaring weaknesses for San Antonio, I think I think Spolstra is going to have a hard time with Popovich. I think I think Miami's going to have a hard time. I think LeBron's going to have a hard time. And, and, and like you said, Wade at Wade being so so, that's not enough. They need a great Wade and a great LeBron to beat San Antonio, and I don't think they have that right now. Um, but uh, about the, the, the rest, I think the rest factor is important, Lawrence. But you talked about that with me a little bit earlier. Um, you talk about what you think in terms of how it will, and I think I think Tommy should weigh in this as well. But, but you know, Lawrence, talk about what you think is you know kind of the benefit versus. Um, the downfall to this extended rest for San Antonio. Yeah, well, to start real fast, I came into this show kind of with with my mindset on who I was going to pick, and I was I was fairly certain that I was going to be out on a limb by myself picking the San Antonio Spurs. So, 
to start off, I want to say I'm, I'm I'm surprised and very happy at the same time that I'm not out on that limb because now I know we're going to leave Tommy out on that limb. <laughs> so so I'm not going to be this man out here. But so I talked to Martin about this this morning. I think that the Spurs of of pretty much any team they have the experience and the age that to where the rest factor is not going to hurt them at all. As a matter of fact, it's going to be it's, – it's been great for them. Them being able to take care of Memphis in four games and get a week and a half or close to two weeks off, whereas either Miami – I was going to say either Miami or Indiana, but Miami is only going to have a few games of rest. That's going to make a difference. Indiana, I mean, this Indiana series is has worn on Miami. I feel like the Chicago series wore on Miami. This Indiana series is is wearing on Miami even more. I mean, and and it's not like the 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 added play is going to affect LeBron James' play. It's not. He's going to cook no matter what. He's going to be LeBron. But it's the other guys that I don't think are going to be able to really be able to continue to perform down the stretch. I mean, we see it already in this Indiana series where a bunch of the shooters for the Heat are losing their legs and not able to hit shots. We got Ray Allen that's not shooting great from the field. Mario Chalmers not shooting great from the field. Shane Battier can't hit anything. And like these guys, these guys are are only getting more and more tired, and the Spurs are sitting back chilling like I mean I mean I'm sure they're practicing. I'm sure they're playing every single day. I'm sure they're they're doing everything they need to do to make sure they're fully prepared for when these finals start. But this rest is is so great for Popovich and the Spurs because it it really gives them it, first off it gives them a time to rest the older guys that they got. We know we all know that Tim Duncan, Tony Parker and Monty Ginobili are not the youngest guys in basketball. We know that they they're guys that are going to need the rest to be able to play. We saw that at the end of the year where Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu were all out at the end of the year, and we questioned whether they were going to be playing in the first round of the playoffs because we didn't know where they were hurt or what the case was, and they were all there. These guys need their rest, and they'll be the first to tell you that. I saw an interview with Tony Parker where he's just like, man, I'm not 25 anymore. Like, I need my rest to be able to perform, and he's getting it. He's getting his rest, and, I mean, I, I, I kept talking about this during the Memphis series, and this is what I'm going to harp on for Miami as well. Miami may be the only team that that is as or close to as deep as San Antonio, realistically, meaning that they play – Miami plays probably nine to ten guys a game, and that's the same thing as San Antonio. I just think that the quality of guys that San Antonio puts out on the floor are better. I mean, we, we got shooters, so they're not going to be able to leave, leave perimeter players like they do, like, like Jay mentioned with Lance Stevenson, leaving him alone and leaving Sam Young alone because they're not worried about them knocking down those perimeter jump shots. If you leave Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard alone, they are going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you. I mean, you've got guys like Gary Neal who come in and play big minutes, hit shots. I mean, Manu Ginobili, we, we know what Manu is. Manu's one of the best perimeter players in basketball. He has been for the last few years. And, I mean, he hasn't really lost a step to me. Tony Parker may be the best point guard in basketball. People people throughout this season, they want to say, oh, no, it's not Tony Parker, it's Chris Paul and all this other stuff. Look who's still playing. Look who's left. It's Tony Parker. And every single year, once it turns playoff time, Tony Parker turns up. 
And we saw that. I mean, 30-point outings, 40 points. Like, that. Tony Parker is capable of scoring in bunches without having a consistent three-point jump shot. Who else does that? Who else can put up the numbers that Tony Parker does without being able to consistently shoot the ball well from three-point range? Nobody. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs are as ready for Miami as anybody else. I think that Miami kind of lucked up last year in meeting the, the Thunder in the finals. The Thunder are with, with Harden, with Harden, Ibaka, Westbrook, and Durant. They're one of the more talented teams in basketball. They were one of the more talented teams in basketball, and they should have been in that finals, but they got there based off of pure talent and not necessarily as playing as a cohesive unit. They got there off of, okay, Russ can go off then, and then Kevin Durant can go off then, and then James Harden can go off then. That's not what Miami's going to see this year in the finals. They are going to see a cohesive unit that has played together for a long time. They have younger guys that they can bring off the bench and, and continually throw bodies at Miami. Miami and, and kind of try to wear them down. I mean, guys like Dewan Blair, guys like Thiago Splitter. I mean, they, they get good minutes from everybody who they throw in. They have a bunch of bigs that are going to create Mamba. issues. Yeah, the Red Mamba, Matt Bonner, they have a bunch of bigs that are going to create matchup <laughs> issues for Miami. I mean, with Matt, if Matt Bonner's standing at the top of the key, he's going to pull Chris Anderson out of the paint, which is going to leave it open. Chris Bosh is not going to stop anybody. Chris, like we we know that Chris Bosh is no defensive enforcer. He's no enforcer in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I mean, unless it's in a Paul situation, but we're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> but realistically, I, I think San Antonio is going to be able to beat Miami. I. I I kind of made up my mind before the show that my pick was going to be San Antonio in seven. So, like I said, hearing Jay and Martin say the same pick kind of really surprised me because I I didn't think very many people were going to believe that that San Antonio will be able to pull it off. But we know basketball. We know what what it takes to be able to win a championship. And realistically, San Antonio knows what it takes to win a championship. Like Jay said, we're talking about guys that have rings. Tony Parker with three. Tim Duncan with four, the uh, Manu Ginobili with three. Like these guys are not afraid of Miami at all, and we, and we know that when you're not afraid of Miami, you're able to play well against them. We saw that with Chicago. We're seeing that with Indiana, and we're just going to see a way better basketball team than both Chicago and Indiana with a better coach with with history. With who are fighting, like Jay said, who are fighting because they're they are all toward the end of their careers and they want to go out on a high note. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tim Duncan in in hang hang up his shoes after this year if, if they take care of business and beat Miami. I, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. These guys are older; they've been playing for a long time. They're on their way out, so this is this is their way to go out. And I'm going to say Miami. I mean, uh, San, I'm sorry, San Antonio in seven games. It's going to be a fantastic series. I'm, I'm very excited. I think it'll be seven games of, of great basketball. We'll see LeBron be LeBron. But at the end of the day, and I mean, Martin, the, the, the stat Martin brought up about Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade scoring 15 points a game just means San Antonio may be able to take care of business in less than seven games. Like, he has to do wow. more. There's, 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 there's other guys have to do more, guys. Like, I mean, we know what LeBron's going to do. We know what he's capable of doing. But at the same time, he's not going to be able to single-handedly take over and just beat San Antonio by himself. He needs Wade. He needs Bosch. He needs Udonis Haslam. He needs all of those other guys. And, and I mean, the matchup that's 
scariest for Miami. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling in points from everybody. The matchup that's scariest for Miami, Tony Parker is going to go ham on Mario Chalmers. Like, oh, I, I, I think Mario oh, Chalmers. I can't wait. Mario Chalmers is not going to get a night of sleep at all. At all, just thinking about what Tony Parker is going to be doing to him. And just thinking about chasing around Tony Parker as if Parker isn't 15 years older than he is. Still just way better, way faster. Chop, chop. It's chop, chop. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan for the rest of these playoffs. I'm, I'm, looking, to, I'm looking to see them, them really take care of business and, and kind of show. And I, I don't want to say Miami's true colors because they are a fantastic basketball organization. They're a great team. But I think, I think Popovich beats Spolstra any day of the week, and that, that's going to be a department where there, there's no fluctuation. That, that Popovich wins that, San Antonio wins the series. We've made oh, reference man. to LeBron's Cleveland days twice or before I let Tommy go. We've made reference to LeBron's Cleveland days twice now. And Tommy put up the um, an article in our Facebook group the other day, you know, after after the game five, uh, after that third, LeBron describing the, that third quarter in game five, he said he went back to his Cleveland days. Well, yeah. guess what? The last time you were in Cleveland in the finals, you got swept by the team that's waiting for you. Swept. So, swept. Don't, yeah, don't no, expect he needs to go back yeah. to your Cleveland days against the Spurs and, and, and have a similar outcome to Indiana. Yeah, it's, no, it's, tell it's, him to chill right in Miami. He needs to be Miami LeBron. Right, right. And a quick stat also, every final since 1999, every NBA final since 1999 has featured the Spurs, the Lakers, or the Heat. Um, so we can assume that this year's finals will have both the Heat and the Spurs. So That's um, crazy. the streak continues. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy stat. Um, Tommy Hill, you are you are the lone wolf here. You are outnumbered. Um, <laughs> explain explain to us why explain to us why we why we might all be bugging. Lawrence talking about less than seven games for San Antonio. Yeah, possibly. I don't think that. Uh, I, I think mean, yo, I think you guys all bring up valid points. Um, especially the fact with the efficiency that San Antonio plays with, and which which Miami is definitely going to have to step up their defensive efforts. They face teams that are defensively up to par with San Antonio throughout these playoffs, but the offensive efficiency is where they're going to have to step up step up defensively. Um, I believe, you know, all finals come down to which player is going to break out and you know separate himself as as finals MVP, and it's it's going to be LeBron James versus Tony Parker. And I got I to gotta give uh, Tony Parker and the, and the Spurs some love because I feel like I kind of, I kind of, you know, I, I didn't really give them the love they deserved last show, and I was kind of down-talking the Western Conference Finals. But, you know, Tony Parker, I got to go back to my, my, my roots as a basketball player myself. You know, playing the point guard and the off guard most of my life, I, I – it's no secret that my favorite player was Allen Iverson. And, you know, I watched the guys like the Stephon Marbury, the Steve Francis's, who had the, the fancy dribbles and between the legs and around the back. But the thing that impresses me most about Tony Parker is he has two moves. He has a crossover left, crossover right, and a change of speed. You know, it's yeah. nothing fancy. It's just he's getting by you, and he's getting to where he wants to get. You know, and, and it's something that I feel like young point guards – this is this is a different topic, but young point guards really need to look at a guy like Tony Parker and see how you can you can get to 
the spaces on the floor without using so many dribbles. I mean, yeah. if you can dance, if you can dance around like Stephen Curry, more power to you. But if you got one or two moves and a change of speed, you got you know Tony Parker is really impressive, and I feel like if San Antonio were to win, he's gonna have to really light up Miami. But, but here's my big issue. The fact that Miami can put LeBron James at the four and he can guard a guy like, like Tim Duncan or or a Thiago Slitter who sets a lot of those ball screens, it's going to be LeBron James coming off and trapping a guy like Tony Parker. So I don't think – I think LeBron is going to have a lot to do with deterring uh, Tony Parker from getting to where he wants to get on the floor because, you know, we saw last series where he was coming off screens and he's beating back Randolph and guys with, with slow uh, foot speed. But when LeBron James is coming off trappy, I don't think you're really going going anywhere. But um, and I think LeBron James, like like I, you know, this is this is my guy, and I gotta stick with him. He this fire that he that started from Lance Stevenson is gonna continue through the NBA Finals, and I think Miami wins it. Miami wins it. I'll say seven games just for excitement for NBA fans. I I hope it goes seven games because you know the longer the the, the more basketball, the better. But I really feel like Miami is the better team, and they have the better superstar, and they will win that series in seven games. Um, definitely a lot to consider. Um, I think the the recurring with, you know, kind of all of our points, was, I think we've all agreed, you know, LeBron James and Tony Parker, um, that contrast is definitely going to play out. Um, again, assuming that this NBA Finals matchup will come to pass, um, I don't think any of us deny that. But, um, again, looking ahead, you know, that LeBron James-Tony Parker dynamic is important. And, and another thing, uh, kind of my last kind of thought on that series is turnovers. I think the turnovers will be the recurring storyline of a Spurs-Miami series because the Spurs struggled with turning the ball over um, even against Memphis, even with sweeping them. I, it came down to Memphis just not being able to score, um, you know, but they got a whole lot of extra possessions from the Spurs. And those extra possessions that the Spurs were to get Miami, they will get burned on every time. If the Spurs limit their turnovers, I think they win the series. If, they come, if, if they're turning the ball over for any, any higher than 13 times a game, I give them no chance against Miami. So I'm, I'm looking for ball control and turnovers in that series as well because you with Tony Parker going a million miles an hour, and I think Tommy makes a great point. Even guys like Udonis Haslam and Chris Bosh have, have better foot speed than Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol. So you look for more of a challenge for Tony Parker in that regard as well. Um, so we've, we've got three Spurs picks and we've got, a, we've got a Miami pick, all of us going seven games looking ahead for the NBA Finals. Um, real quick, you know, with the end of the NBA season coming and, you know, different news stories with, you know, trades and head coaching changes and all that, um, you know, you start to get a sense of what teams are looking for going into this offseason. Um, just, a, you know, a couple quick bits that I want to get guys' reactions on. Um, first, in Lob City, the Clippers obviously fired their head coach, Vinny Del Negro. Um, there's been plenty of reports about, the Chris Paul dynamic, him being frustrated with the organization and, you know, uh, him, uh, I mean, the situation is really dire. I mean, nobody really knows what's going on, but it's a, it's a Chris, seems like a Chris Paul Clippers organization power struggle. 
And again, Del Negro was fired. Um, it was reported this week the Clippers have reached out to Byron Scott, Jeff Van Gundy, um, and I'm trying to find the, the uh, third person right now they've reached out to. But I know Byron Scott and Jeff Van Gundy are both confirmed as uh, targets for the Los Angeles Clippers, Clippers for the next head coach. Um, real quick, guys, uh, what do you think? Who would you, you know, if not these guys, there's someone else you'd like to see coach Lost City next year. I th- I'll take the floor. I think uh, I think the Clippers should do whatever Chris Paul wants to be done because if you don't have him in uniform next year, that whole the whole era you even thought was going to be started is not happening. So if I'm management, I'm sitting down with Chris Paul and I'm asking him, I'm picking his brain to see who he wants as his head coach. I mean, I don't think it's, it, it should be any more difficult than that. Any, any preference? I'm, I'm going, I think Byron Scott is a good candidate. I, I think, think Byron Scott, Scott is up-tempo a very style. good candidate. I think his up-tempo style, you, you saw it back in the day, obviously, with New Jersey, with, with Jason Kidd and Kenny Martin and those guys. Obviously, not as successful. He wasn't put in the best situation going to Cleveland post-LeBron. But I think Byron Scott's style could fit pretty well with, with the Clippers. Absolutely. I mean, I think I was thinking the same exact thing with Byron Scott in the Nets back in the day where, where he took them to consecutive NBA finals. And, I mean, they obviously lost to the, to the San Antonio Spurs that, that are going to be NBA champs again this year. But I, I think I think that, that point guard big dynamic that Byron Scott likes, and, and he plays with it a lot, I think that, I think that him working with Blake and Chris Paul specifically, I mean, he can get them to where they can be as effective as possible. I mean, we, we know that the Clippers have the personnel to be a great, great basketball team. They have they have the pieces. They they can certainly use another perimeter guy. I mean, I, Chris Paul and Jamal Crawford play well. Jamal Crawford's obviously coming off the bench. But I, I think that one one more perimeter guy that can really be a scoring threat can really work well for the Clippers. I mean, they, they definitely need defensive work, which I, I think Byron Scott is a pretty good defensive coach. But at the same time, Byron Scott working with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin directly could could be magic. It, it could be a very good duo. I would love to see Byron Scott. I think Byron Scott's a great coach. He obviously, like you said, he wasn't put in a great position going to going to Cleveland post LeBron and and having to try to, to try to rebuild the, that ship with with a bunch of real young guys, but. At the same time, I've liked I like what he's done with Kyrie Irving and and kind of been able to to help Kyrie improve and and Kyrie kind of set himself apart as one of the better point guards in the league. And I mean, not that Chris Paul needs that because he's already there, but a guy that'll be able to to kind of make Chris Paul as efficient as possible would be great. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts for Lob City next year? I think. I think the problem this year was what was that the players didn't really like Vinny Del Negro, and and they didn't listen to him obviously, and and it, there was a disconnect there. So Jeff Van Gundy should be out of the conversation. First of all, <laughs> nobody likes Jeff Van Gundy. Nobody no, nobody likes Jeff Van Gundy. NBA players certainly won't like Jeff Van Gundy. So I like I heard that name and I was just I almost threw up. Because I was like, yeah, that that's that's a disaster waiting to happen. Okay, I think I think I think Byron Scott would be great. 
I think he would be great, great, great. And I and I love, and I think Byron Scott's an above average coach. He was in Cleveland. I mean, come on. So uh, I, I I like Byron Scott. I think some I think a younger coach would be more suitable for this group. I think they need somebody that they can kind of connect with a little bit more. It's Chris Paul's team, so I'm with I'm with Tommy, one hundred percent. Whatever direction Chris Paul thinks that they need to go for this coaching search, I think that's where they'll go, and I think Byron Scott is going to be their guy at the end of the day. Um, but Jeff Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, no, <laughs> um, PJ Carlissimo, some of these guys that I've I've, I've heard names swirling around, I, I I think they're they're wasting their time with them. Because cause they're not going to be able to get these guys to play for them as as Byron Scott would, and it has and it has nothing to do with race, age, anything like that. I think it has everything to do with personality types, and 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 someone that could get to these guys because they have the talent, and and we are, we've all seen that. But they need they need a coach that's going to really bring that out of them and make them play hard as a group consistently. And I think. Byron Scott might be that guy that'll really be able to to pull that out of them. So I'm I'm I, I like Byron Scott for the names that I've seen so far, but absolutely positively not Jeff Van Gundy. Do not give <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy a job. Please don't give Jeff Van Gundy a job. Please no. Please don't give him a job. That's it. That's all I have to say about the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, leave him leave him on the telecast. He, he's yeah. good right there. Uh, we don't need him on the sidelines. The, the the next name I I couldn't recall was Brian Shaw, who was also who was also been reached out to by the Clippers. That um, that that makes even more sense than than Byron Scott. Like I said, a younger guy who they will listen to. They will listen to Brian Shaw, and and I think and I think Chris Paul would love to have Brian, Brian Shaw as their coach, and he's on that Pacers staff with Vogel, and 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 I think about the Pacers a lot. And I think he's been huge for the Pacers as a coach. His experience as a player, working under yeah. the Zen master, Byron Scott yeah. is ready. I mean, I'm sorry, Brian Shaw is absolutely ready for a head coaching job. I think the Clippers would would make sense for him for sure. Um, good stuff, good stuff all around. Um, I think we're going to wrap up our sports segment here. Um, in the next couple weeks, we'll go into some NBA draft talk with the draft coming up um, and do some do some profiles and some discussions on uh, players and what teams should pick what players and what teams should be looking to improve on. Um, so we'll get to that in the next couple of weeks on our segment. Uh, we're running uh, a little bit ahead of time, but we're good. We're always good on the collective. We make it work. Um, so we're, let's kick to our first commercial for a couple minutes, come back and uh, kick off our music segment of the day. This is the collective. Yeah. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. 
107 fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Gentlemen, we are back with the collective. Just wrapped up our sports segment, talking some NBA playoffs, made some projections looking ahead to the NBA finals. Um, some good discussion, as always. Um, right now, as we commence our music segment, and without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for what we hear. What we, 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 what we hear segment. This is our what third weekly what we hear segment. I think. Um, I believe third. Where yep. we come, where we come together and we, um, our co-hosts share what is on their playlist for the week, what they're hearing this week um, in music. Um, most importantly, we want to open this segment up to any live callers or listeners that we have on the line that want to call in and just. Tell us what they're listening to. Share with us what's been on their playlist this week. Um, Lawrence Reels, let's kick it to you first. What are you hearing, and what is on your playlist this week? All right, well, I, I got two songs in particular that, I, that I've given some good listening to this past week. The first one I'm going to talk about is uh, the, the new Meek Mill song called Levels. Um, it, it's it's a very good track, and in, in I think what I like about it the most is kind of the fact that Meek Mill is doing something a little bit different than what he normally does. Uh, now, I'm not saying that Meek Mill is, like, singing on a song or really, like, transcending anything, but at the same time, it, I mean, our common theme that we always talk about with music, especially when we're talking about up-and-coming guys or guys that are that are out there that just aren't quite all the way there yet, we talk about progression a lot. I've, uh, you, we've, you've heard all of us use that term before uh, in terms of in terms of actual artists, and I think that this is a very good sign for Meek Mill's progression. I mean, I, I was talking to Martin about it, and I do feel like it, it's a Drake-style song. Like, I should have easily heard Drake on the song kind of do the same thing, which is which is cool because it, it's not the typical Meek Mill song, it, and it's, it's a, it has a very good hook, 
It's very catchy. He uses some uh, different flows than what he normally uses. I mean, his his flows are kind of, I feel like he's almost trapped in, in kind of the way he presents his bars. I mean, he, he typically has that, like, louder, like, more aggressive type of approach. And he has that on this. But I think he, he comes down a little bit, gets a little bit more laid back. It's 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 more of Meek Mill kind of showing you, like, all right, I can do, I can slow it down a little bit, you know, and do something a little bit different, but still be myself, but still be the Meek Mill that people like, you know. So that that's what I really enjoy about this song. It, it, it's a, I mean, me, we know what Meek Mill does, and he 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 packs bars with a bunch of lines, a bunch of syllables, like just a lot of words, but it's. And and he does that on this song really really well, and it, it, I, I think it's just an overall good track. So I'm I'm looking forward to more of this from Meek Mill and and kind of progression. Philly stand up, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> the the other track I wanted to mention was um, uh, it, it actually came out about two weeks ago, or maybe it was only like a week and a half ago. But um, Pharrell Williams did the um, did the score and soundtrack to the first Despicable Me movie, which is an animated movie that, that Disney, or I think it was Disney, it's either Disney or Pixar, but they that they came out with about uh, two or three years ago that was really good, it was really cool, and, and he did all the sounds to it, which were awesome. The first song off of the Despicable Me 2 soundtrack has come out, and it's a Pharrell song called Happy, and, and it is such a good, just, feel good song it's like really funky really groovy i think i think that this was probably recorded after he did the two daft punk songs because it kind of has that feel to it uh, we talked about pharrell being on two different songs on daft punk's newest album random uh, access memory and he's on um lose yourself to dance and get lucky which is the single and um I, I really, really like this type of Pharrell. Like I said, it's really funky. It has it has really cool breaks. It's like a good, like, two-step song, you know, and I think it's a song that can kind of, like, generations can get with. I think the younger kids can like this, kind of the, the middle age, and, and, and the older folks can really, really still be able to get some enjoyment out of this song because it's just that good. And I think that, I mean, obviously it, it's kind of made to be that way because it's going to be in an animated film, which is kind of you toward kids mostly, but I mean, I, I go to I go to the movies and see animated movies all the time. I, I still thoroughly enjoy them, and I'm a, the song has me looking forward to the movie a lot. We talked about soundtracks kind of kind of getting a little bit bigger to where like there you got bigger artists coming in to actually do the soundtrack, like like the Jay Z with with the Great Gatsby soundtrack, and I think that this this falls right in line with that. It, it's going to be all Pharrell. I mean. If anybody knows me, they know I've been a huge Pharrell fan since day one, since since the Neptune, since the early stuff. So I, I'm I'm very happy to always see a new Pharrell track and him kind of trying some new things. But it, it's a very very funky track. It, it, it's very good. I think that, like I said, everybody will enjoy it. So you should definitely give that a listen. But again, it, it's Pharrell Williams happy, and the Meek Mill song is level. Uh, good stuff there. A little, a little different turn for, uh, for for you today, there, Lawrence, with the with the music yeah. selection. 
Yeah, I, I I thought about it at first, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I typically wouldn't do like a Meek song, but at the same time, I think it I think it's that good. I mean, I'm not saying this is the best hip hop track of the year or anything like that by any means, but I, I do like what it means for Meek and kind of the direction he's going in. So I, I'll give Meek a shout out. Like I said, Philly stand up two one five. Of Yeah, I I enjoyed that record as well. I think it goes pretty hard. Um, uh, You're not Will. even from Philly, though. Yeah, I know, I know. But we'll, I've lived, <laughs> in, I've lived in Philly, but, but like you're not, but you're not from Philly. That's what, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. I feel you. I hear you. But I've lived in Philly for the last six years. I think I can give a two one five. It's not like I got it tatted on me, but I can give a quick <laughs> two one five shout out. Like you know, what I'm saying Philly stand up. I love. No, Philly. you can't say Philly stand up. You're from New Jersey. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. My bad. Yeah. Then, then Philly sit down. <laughs> Philly sit down. Jason, Jason, Jr. Keeping, keeping us grounded at all times. Yeah, you're keeping it thorough. <laughs> um, Tommy Hill, give us your give us your weekly playlist. What have you been hearing this week? You know me, man. I kind of just float around when it comes to this music thing. <laughs> I've been listening, to, <laughs> listening to a little uh, J Cole Pandora radio. Drake, Pandora, um, you know, just radio hits while I'm while I'm driving casually to work or wherever I'm going. I want to give some uh, a couple of female artists them some love that I, that really caught my attention. Um, Tamar Braxton with the the one song. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a smooth record right there. And they got the Sierra Body Party, Body Party. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a real smooth track. Um, I just heard the new. Um, I'm not really sure if it's how new it is, but Jadakiss has a track with the Dream called uh, Big yeah. Boy Dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's a tough track. Um, yeah, but um, you know, I'm just you know I flow through the radio just to see what's going on. I've been I've been in that mindset for the past couple of weeks, waiting for this for for the albums of the year to drop. So you know, Wale the Wale um, love hate thing is, is of course is on my playlist, but um. Other than that, you know, just floating around with some old school tracks with uh, J. Cole and Drake. You know, they're, they're Pandora stations. They, you know, if you, when you when you put it in, there's so many, there's, you know, Kendrick, they, Wale, you know, uh, Kanye. If you put J. Cole in, of course, the Kanye tracks are going to come on. It's just there's so many good songs that come on when you put uh, J. Cole or Drake in, in the Pandora station, so you can't go wrong there. That's what that's what's been on my list though this week. Nothing specific. No doubt. No, no, no doubt. No doubt. That's what it's all about. Uh, Jr. J. Reels. Bless us with your uh, with your weekly playlist. What have you been hearing? Uh, you know it's gonna be hard as nails. Right. So <laughs> so so. This is when all the rats um, tune in. I I have I have still been listening to this French Montana album. Um I still I still been riding to it. I still been uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I, I still been keeping it uh very, very New York hip hop um this week. Uh, so I have been listening but alright, so I guess I, I mean I haven't I haven't really listened to anything super new but I reconnected and and I say reconnected because I was I was obsessed with this with this mixtape for a while. 
but I reconnected with uh, Sir Frank Ocean's Nostalgia Ultra this week, and I listened to some of the older songs, Nature Fields, Swim Good, Dust. Um, and uh, if you've been living under a rock for the past two years, um, you you don't and you don't know this, but you know Frank Ocean is is, a, is extremely talented, and this mixtape was his coming out party, and. Uh, it's it's just tremendous through and through. It's it's one of my and it's crazy that I have an R and B mixtape as one of my top five, but it's in my top five mixtapes of all time. Um, so uh, I, I, I was listening to that a lot this week, um, along with the French album. And then Molly would appreciate this, but I uh, also reconnected with uh, Mr. Currency the Hot Spitter, um, and I've been oh, yeah. listening to a lot of Verde Terrace. Um, one of his many, many mixtapes. Um, this is probably, arguably, my favorite uh, currency mixtape. Um, and he has he has a bunch of very, very good songs, very, very good beats on this. Um, DJ Drama uh, kind of put everything together, and 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 he's not too annoying on it. He's not talking too much for me, so I'm able to listen to it. But uh, but yeah, so Nostalgia Ultra. If you have never heard the mixtape before. Um, Frank Ocean's first, you know, released project, um, as, as to my knowledge, um, that's that's just through and through. You can put it on, listen to it all the way through. You will not be bored. You will not not like a song. Um, and then uh, Currency Verde Terrace is uh, one of my favorite hip hop um, mixtapes that's come out over the last few years. Um, but I've, uh, I've I, I reconnected with it this week a little bit and uh, and listened to it a lot. Um, and uh, that one is also pretty much through and through um, um, a very very good project. So uh, that 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 those two were on my playlist for this week, along with my son French Montana. Uh... <laughs> Excellent. You bring up you bring up currency the hot but uh, I it, it, it makes me think. You know, I'm really anticipating. Uh, you know, he's talked about Pilot Talk three for mm-hmm. a good little minute now, saying it's all going to be a Ski Beats production album. Um, you just did the obviously mixtape just a couple months ago, but you look for Spitter to make some kind of footprint pretty soon here. I mean, he usually comes yeah. out of the woodwork and 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 hits us with something something real saucy. So, uh, definitely gets yeah, so much material for currency. If you know, I'm that was uh, those reconnections are huge. I feel like with those currency mixtapes, Jay, like we revisit those and it really takes you back to a time yeah. when you were really. Uh, really getting into current the whole jet life movement. If you don't know about it, be about it, get about it, read about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> jet life. Yeah, what's up? But, um, yeah, you mentioned uh, I've been listening to a lot of radio hits. The radio sure does love to play that good Christian alcohol song. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> This is this is what we're putting out to you know what I'm saying to to the population, you know this is what this is what's popular. This is what continues to be played over the airwaves. It's just turn up music on the radio 24/7. Between that song and the um, we still in this the Bob song, <laughs> you know it's just yeah, that's it's huge. funny to hear what the radio is played. Yeah man, all that be just killed the club. The <laughs> um. Yeah, my uh, you know I'm gonna say my play not necessarily my playlist, but I mean I've got two songs and uh, 
They're both new songs from The Weeknd. And uh, he actually released these songs last month sometime. And I remember listening to them when they first dropped, and I, you know, I had a good impression. I, you know, and I think I think at some point, you know, on this on our music segment, um, and I even thought about maybe having us contribute something for the blog, but kind of do some kind of segment on what we're suckers for, kind of, you know, uh, like our, so as for example, someone say I'm a sucker for hi hats, or I'm a sucker for synths, or I'm a sucker for trap beats, or you know, uh, kind of just focusing in on people's preferences. I, I think I'm a sucker for just the whole vibe of the weekend. I think um, his approach is kind of just so, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's so dark and it's so like, it's like neon darkness almost. Like it's really, um, I, I just, I think I'm just a sucker really for his sound. I mean, I, I just really appreciate what he brings to the table. Um, it, it's, it's, the, the two songs, one is called Kissland, which is actually the confirmed title of his upcoming album, um, and the other single is called John Carpenter. Um, both songs that you would uh, that you would expect from The Weeknd, not much, you know, not much more than you would expect even from um, the, the Trilogy album, which obviously brought together the three mixtapes. It's your typical Weeknd sound, but again, I think I'm just a sucker for it. I love the vibe of it. I love the the, the the calmness and the kind of just the regal aspect it brings to music um, and even the writing. I mean, I actually I really appreciate kind of the, the sensuality of his lyrics um, in the Kissland or in the John Carpenter song, rather. Um, he mentions that I went from start staring at the same wall for 21 years, seeing the whole world in just 12 months. I've been gone for so long, I might have just found God. I don't got no friends. This ain't nothing to relate to. And the, this ain't nothing to relate to that kind of works as, like, the running hook for it. Um, and I, I kind of just love the separation of the weekend. He's kind of like this cold loner. Um, he comes from a place of, like, kind of solidarity, and I, I really do enjoy his sound. So uh, the two songs, Kissland and John Carpenter, um, both confirmed as songs from his upcoming album, Kissland, um, which is not set for a release date, but I'm sure we'll get sometime this year. Um so uh, that's our What We Hear segment for the day, uh, where we come and share what, what's on our playlist for the week, um, loosely based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, where you can find song features and reviews and all kinds of cool stuff that we like to do um, because we just love music. Um, segwaying into um, kind of the more uh, the meaty aspects of our, of our topics today, um, first and foremost, uh, a couple people mentioned Drake before, uh, bringing Drake now to the forefront. Uh, it, it, I'm sure you guys heard this past week. Um, his dad, I guess, just had the quick trigger. And I think it's pretty funny and ironic because I'm pretty sure his dad was the one who let us know the release date for his upcoming album, Nothing Was the Same. Or maybe it was the title of the album. Um, he, he leaked something, some information about it prior to this. Uh, but this past week, he supposedly leaked a rumored track list um, for Drake's upcoming album, Nothing Was the Same. Um, a promising track list, of course, um, and if you look at it, I mean, it has the OVO stamp on it. It looks pretty official based on the packaging and based on the songs themselves. You see uh, collaborations with ASAP Rocky, Frank Ocean, um, Justin Timberlake, among others. Um, seemingly looking pretty legit. I talked to Lawrence just this morning, and I didn't even catch, but uh, Elliot Wilson has since tweeted, and Drake has since retweeted that the track list is not real. Um, so, you know, getting to the track list, I want to get you guys' thoughts on the track list if you've seen it. 
and kind of going to this, I guess, this overarching topic of, you know, rumor track list and leaks track list. You know, we see this a lot. Obviously, we talked about the uh, Kanye's album for the Yeezus album, the rumor track list that was released. We talked about that last week. Um, but, uh, Lawrence, I'll go to you first. Uh, I know you saw the track list. What are your thoughts from it, and uh, what are you expecting from this upcoming album? Well, talking about Drake in general, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about this for a little while, but um, I feel like I feel like what the, what we need from Drake is a, is a little bit more rapping. I mean, we, we like what he does, and he kind of – he, he separated himself with, with, with his style of music and, and his way of putting out music and how he kind of is almost a half rapper, half R&B artist. But at the same time, what we fell in love with Drake about was his rapping, was his was his pure rapping ability and his skill. And I, I feel like, I mean, I was a fan of, of Take Care. I did like the album. I listened to it multiple, multiple times the entire way through. But at the same time, I feel like he kind of he kind of strayed away from rapping as much as possible on the last album, and, and he kind of needs to turn that around. Now, it, it seemed promising with his dropping of uh, 5 a.m. in Toronto, which was similar to the 9 a.m. in Dallas that he dropped right before Thank Me Later, his first album, but... Uh, at the same time, a week after he drops 5 a.m. in Toronto, he drops a song like Girls Who Like Beyonce, which I'm going to have to say has grown on me. I still don't love it. I, it's still never it's never going to be oh, one of my oh, favorite Drake songs. And, yo, it's never going to be one of my favorite that. Drake songs. Yo, I, I don't hate it anymore, though. I hate. I still don't like the hook. I think they could have done something a lot better. But if you, if, I mean, if you just zero in on the actual verses themselves, it's kind of some of the stuff that we really like Drake for. I mean, it, it's singing Drake. It's it's that rap sing flow that he does that that he's that he's good at. I mean, I I can't necessarily say I hate girls who love Beyonce because I. I Feel uh, I feel a little bit better about where he's coming from on the track. I do. Th- I mean, if, if Martin's right and it is a desperate effort to try to get Beyonce's attention, I feel like he may have gotten it. And if he didn't, oh well. I mean, that 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 kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's between Drake and Beyonce. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I I don't hate it as much as I did. But at, I don't want it on the album, and I don't necessarily want songs like it on the album. I mean. Uh, one relatively promising thing, if this track list was in fact real, I, I'm under the mindset that it could be real and kind of Drake and Elliot Wilson and whoever else is close with Drake is kind of saying, all right, it's not real to kind of cover it up because Drake's dad shouldn't sure. have done that. It's a few months in advance from the actual album dropping. So they could realistically be saying, you know what, it's not real, or like maybe it's an old track list and it's changed a little bit, but it looks it looks all the way official. And what I, I said this to Martin earlier. One thing I do like about it is he has Future, Frank Ocean, Justin Timberlake. Just between those three, it's telling me that he's not going to be singing on those tracks. I mean, maybe Future because he actually sings better than Future, but he's not touching Frank and Justin, so I would hope that he wouldn't even bother singing on those tracks that he's just rapping. I mean, any Frank Ocean collab I'm looking forward to, I I see a lot of 40 on here. 40's on probably 80% of these tracks. Um, I I see Started From The Bottom, which I can do with or without, but there's Jay-Z on here. We got ASAP Rocky on here. The one that caught my eye the most, 
there's a song apparently called No Regret that's produced by James Blake. We talked about and featured James Blake on the show before and talked about him. He's an up he he's an up and coming, I guess he's kinda of solidified himself as a as one of the more popular electronic artists based out of the UK. But the the kid's a beast. He's a he's a singer producer that that is, has really got a hold on his sound and, and makes makes fantastic music. So to hear that Drake is working with him on a song, I think that that could be a really cool collab just because James Blake's sound is so cool, and if Drake does ju- any sort of justice to it, it should be a good collaboration. So at this point, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm to an extent hoping that it, this is a real track with because it seems solid to me. Like like I said, most of the stuff is done by 40, which is when Drake pretty much does his best stuff because that's his guy. That Drake and 40 together is like Timberland and Justin Timberlake. It, 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 they're supposed to be working together. And um, I, I, like I, we see Just Blaze on here. We see Mike Zombie on here twice. The, the, that's the guy that did start it from the bottom. We see him on uh, another song. I see a Clans Casino and 40 collaboration beat, which is the one featuring ASAP Rocky, which – Sounds ridiculous, Clem's Casino and 40 working together. Lethal, lethal. I mean, Clem's Casino kind of works with ASAP Rocky the same way 40 works with Drake. So the four of them Mm -hmm. together, I mean, can can really be a problem. So I I hope this is a real track list because this looks awesome. I mean, it is only 14 songs, so I I would like to see another song or two, but that's kind of the standard nowadays. Guys are putting out... 13, 14 songs and kind of calling it a day. So, I mean, as long as it's good, I'm looking forward to it. But this track list does look pretty cool. It, it got me a little bit excited about Drake's album. I can't lie to you. I actually, do, I actually see 15 songs here, Lawrence. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. I, my, my screen had cut off the bottom one. That was the Just Play song. Yep, 15 songs, which, which, is a, which is a good number. That's a solid number, I guess. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a solid number. Yeah, that's a solid number. Throw a bonus track or two on there, and you got yourself a full album. Um, Jay, your thoughts on the lead track list and your expectations for Drake's new album? Um, I saw, I did, I saw the track list as well. Um, one thing, I'm just happy that everybody's smart enough to put Frank Ocean on their album nowadays. Um, I'm just uh, whatever whatever feature you know he's on. I think I think it's gonna come out well. Right. I'm certain. I'm certainly looking forward to the Jay Z and Drake song. And and the the first one, the song that was on their first album that they had on Drake's first album, uh, the song that they had together, I thought was okay. Light um, um, I thought it, I thought it was yeah. okay. To, to pretty good. Um, but I I think this. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can. Okay, okay. Um, I thought I thought it was pretty good, but I'm looking forward to this next one because because you know all the growth that Drake has shown. Now I want to see him on a track with Jay Z and, and and really see how how he matches up, I guess, and and, and see how he does. Um, you know, if this if this holds true, it looks tremendous. I mean, it looks. I, I saw it and I was and I was just like, okay. Well, well, good. <laughs> Basically, like um, um, this this could this could really be something for Drake because this is big for Drake. This one is big. This one is very big for him. Um, you know, he's he he continues to gain steam. And he's continuing to climb his way up, 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 
and and this one and this one I think is big for him. I I, I honestly do. I honestly do. I knew the um, um, take care was huge. I thought he did a lot of singing on it, but I thought that was that ended up turning out pretty well for him. I think this one is is, is going to be even more critical for for the rest of his career. So, um, I'm 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 certainly looking forward to it as a as a Drake supporter. Um, but I'm I'm with Lawrence. I hope there's there's a lot more rapping than singing, and because um, I certainly don't want to hear a song with him and Future singing on it. I would. Oh I would, my god. I, I won't. That's too much. Not that I don't want to. I won't listen to a future Drake singing competition on a song because mm-hmm. I, I just I refuse to. So um, um, I, I I hope there's more rapping and singing. But from what I see, and if that track list does hold true, um, that would be big time. That would be that would really be big time. Was there a song with Wayne on there? Because I'm not sure if I saw a song with Wayne. There is a song between and Burke, and you know that wouldn't, you know that doesn't fail. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, uh, um, just checking because I thought I wasn't sure, but um, yeah, looks looks good, looks good. We'll we'll see how the music turns out. Um. Yeah. I think, I think you guys are both. You know, I think you guys are. I agree with what both of you guys say. I think the track list itself. Uh, obviously, we said. It, Apparently, he said that it's not true. I think I think what Lawrence said, there could be a lot of truth to that, and I think that happens more than we might know, that a track list might come out and an artist might just say, no, that's not it, but they just end up tweaking it maybe with a couple songs that weren't on the leaked track list and maybe just tweaking it a little bit. So, um, I mean, based on the signs from this track list, I think you guys are spot on. I think... And I'm with both of you guys. Like you said, you know, we want we want uh, more 9 a.m. in Dallas, 5 a.m. in Toronto, Drake. And I think this track list, um, and, and I'm and I'm stacking it up, I guess, against Take Care because, like you guys both said, which was very true, a lot a lot of more a lot of more mellow singing stuff on Take Care. The the practice and shot for me, and and you know, it, it, when it slowed down, it really slowed down, and it felt like a, a good portion, at least half of that album was slowed down to that sense. And and I think I think this track list I think embodies uh a little bit more of what we're looking for. Like Lawrence said, I mean you've got the song with Jay Z which would clearly be a, a rapping record. You expect that to be, you know, a, a rap record, much like the, the, the light up song which Jay referenced from the first album. Um, you know, you've got a song with Frank and Justin Timberlake, which I think Lawrence makes a strong point. You know, two strong vocalists that Drake should not be trying to combat or or blend with. You know, so you look for Drake to just let them do their thing and him put together some good verses for that. Um, and the Her Regret song produced by James Blake. Yeah, I'm glad Lawrence pointed that out because it's, that that's the one song that makes me really want this to be true because you really want you know Drake and James Blake. Like you said, we've talked about both of those guys on this show and to see them collaborate like that would be very interesting. Um, Tommy, your thoughts um, on this on this lead track list and uh, general thoughts on Drake, what you expect from his next album? Um, I'm I'm expecting you know the track list to be you know probably 85% accurate. I'm sure there'll probably be two or three bonus tracks added. But yeah, um, they'll change it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, but you know, you guys are probably gonna hate me for this. But I got a lot of respect for Drake, and my softer side definitely comes out 
especially when it comes to music. I liked his last album, and you know it appeals to it appeals to the the female demographic, and I get that about Drake. You know, it, he he does what works for him, and you know, but I agree with L and J and Martin to the aspect that I would like to see more rapping and for him to get back to his roots of of rap with this album, this upcoming album, because. You know, there there's been so much going on in the news, and I feel like his image, his his manlyhood has has taken a shot, especially with the you know the bar fights with Chris Brown and you know the allegations with Rihanna and all those things. And I feel like that that approach of of rap, of raw rap, should should come to fruition with this album because he should have a a fire built up inside of him. You know, to this is his his third album, right? And, yeah, you know, third album. He, this is, you know, I was watching an interview with Wale, and, you know, the third album is, is the, you know, the make or break album. You know, if if you're going to yeah. continue to go up, if you're going to continue to to elevate your name and in, in, in the rafters of, of rap history, which I'm sure Drake wants to. So, you know, this is this is a huge album for him. And I expected to, to go back to kind of his, you know, the you know, like you guys are saying, the 9 a.m. and the, the 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. in Dallas and the the 5 a.m. in Toronto. You know, I, I'm expecting it to be more along those lines. You will have those those slower down tracks. You maybe have one or two, but not the entire album how it was from from a years past. So you know, that's what it, that's what I'm looking forward to hearing from Drake. I'm looking to hear if he's if he's really gonna. I'm expecting it to be good. Put it put it plain and simple. I'm expecting it to be very good because Drake. Drake, uh, regardless if you like him or not, he puts a lot into his craft. You know, he, even when he was singing, he was taking, <clears throat> he had a singing coach, and he was working on his, his vocals constantly. So he puts a lot into what he's going to put out, and, and it really, you know, it, it matters to him, and that's what we all love to see when it comes to a rapper or an artist. So, you know, I, I think he's he's... He's taking all that into consideration, and he, especially with his image and everything, I feel like he's going to come hard with this album. So kind of looking at the scope here, and today is June 1st, as we said at the start of the show, you know, kind of looking ahead for the rest of this year, I mean, there's so much to look forward to, I mean, especially for us and people like us um, who enjoy, and I guess I'm zeroing in on hip-hop right now because when you look at, the scope of hip-hop for the rest of the year, there's a lot to look forward to, right? I mean, um, you know, Lawrence mentioned the, the Level song by Meek Mill, which is on his upcoming Dream Chasers 3 mixtape, which was supposed to come out last month, but it has been pushed back. So you look, look for that from Meek Mill. The June 18th release date is obviously circled on all of our calendars. Jesus and Born Center and, you know, even Mac Miller's album coming out on that day. You've got Wale's album coming out a week after that on June 25th, The Gifted. You've got Pusha T's album, My Name Is My Name, coming out July 16th. You've got Juicy J, State Trippy's album, coming out in July. You've got Two Chains in September. You've got Drake in the fall. You, uh, there's a lot going on, really, for the rest of this year and, and a lot to look forward to. Um, coming back to J. Cole, um, you know, I want to mention it, and I'll let Lawrence sound off on it because we talked about it this morning. The second release single from the Born Thinner album, um, Niggas Know, was released yesterday. Um, Lawrence and I kind of went back and forth a little bit about it this morning. I had a little, I listened to it yesterday, had more chances to listen to it today. Um, 
talked a little with Lawrence about it. Lawrence, sound off on you know what we were talking about before in terms of the the record, the second release single from his from his album. Yo, by by no means can I say the record is a bad record. I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that whatsoever. I, it, it's a cool hip hop record, and it coming from anybody but J Cole, I would probably be really hyped about it. But I'm not. And in this, and I'll tell you why. I expect greatness from J Cole. I feel like J Cole is that good of an artist, so I'm gonna hold him to a standard, even though he hasn't necessarily made. I mean, even though he he hasn't necessarily made something to where I should be like, you know what, J Cole is the greatest. He's going to be one of the greatest. Like I, but but it's a feeling. It's it's something about J Cole's music that makes me feel like he can really separate himself from the rest of the pack. And I don't think this song does that. Like I I listened to it the other day with my boy Black, and and the first thing we said to each other after we listened to the song when it first came out was. Man, I just hope that's not on the album because, and, and like mm-hmm. we said, I, we didn't say, "Man, that's a bad track" or "Man, that sucks." It's just, I just don't think it's good enough for what I want for J Cole. That could be me being selfish. That could be me holding J Cole to too high of a standard. But I don't, I don't think that it's good enough to be on the album. Uh, and, I, and I have a few reasons why. I don't necessarily like the little singing portion he has on it. It, I, it. It's not like I don't like J. Cole singing because in in certain doses it's very very good and it and it can be very cool. Like the um, the the cousin song, the hook that he put on that, I, I love that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But I, I I'm not a fan of his singing on this one and it, it's like in a verse. But he's like, and I got sing and I got ring. Like I, I forget what he's actually saying, but I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I'm also not a fan of the recycled bars. I, understand that there's a place for recycle bars and it's and it's a paying of homage of sorts and it's like all right like this person did this so good that i'm going to like i want to bring that feel to this song but he starts off the song with with a, a line from the biggie notorious thugs and then he kind of references it a few times during the verse where he'll just take, like, not even a full bar, but just, like, a half a bar until the end, where he t- takes a full two bars. Of the, if you knew what this game would do to you, look at all the uh, I've been through. Like, he, he takes that fully, and I, I don't mind that. I think that there's certainly a place for that, and there's certainly a time where that is effective and it's good, but I don't think it's here. And I don't think it should be on an album where you pushed it up to – come out the same time as Kanye. Like like you have an entity as big as Kanye. You push your album up to come out with Kanye's album and you're going to come out with a song that has a bunch of recycled bars that isn't necessarily all the way there. I'm not I'm not with it at all. I, I, like I said, it could just mm-hmm. be that I'm holding J. Cole to too high of a standard. But I think he's great. I think he's I think he's absolutely great and I think he can realistically be one of the best to be doing it right now. But this song does not reflect that. And 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 I just hope better for him. I would I would hope that something ends up happening to where this is just a promo song, kind of like the Miss America, to where maybe it ends up being a bonus or maybe it just misses the album altogether. But I, I don't like it for the album. I'm going to have to be on. And uh, a, another piece of information with coming with that Born Thinner track list, J. Cole has actually confirmed that the track list is, the, the release track list that was, that was released earlier this week is, is supposedly not real according to yeah. J. Cole. So, again, yeah. another situation where we're not exactly 100% sure of what to expect 
Um, and, and to your point, and I thought about it a little bit more, Lawrence, and I think something that also bothered me, and I think the standard that you talk about is, is first of all, I don't think it's a bad thing, and it's certainly warranted. And second of all, when I think about that standard, for me, I'm putting it up against songs from Truly Yours too, and I'm looking at songs mm-hmm. like Cousins and Ed Bussa, which that are better. I, with that are better, which which left me with a stronger impression than this record did. Um, and and I think I think your assessment is pretty accurate because even when I talk to you, I, you know, I kind of bounced to it when I first heard it. I was enjoying it, but you, I think you kind of reminded me of that standard that I think we really should be holding J Cole to. And, and I and yeah. I said it to you after you finished your point. Um, after I, I wasn't listening to it, you know, standing up out of my seat like you know, like really marveled and, and, and awestruck from it. It was kind of just like, okay, it's just like a kind of another J. Cole song. Just another song, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, J. Cole can't or wouldn't be mad at us for holding us to the standard because, I mean, it really is a compliment. We are saying that we see something in J. Cole that could make him one of the greats, that could separate him from everybody else. But but this song does not show that whatsoever, so I don't think it should be a part of the album. I think Power Trip is a good single. I think that that shows yeah. uh, it's, it's a J. Cole flex track in terms of this production because it's monster. It's a, it's a monster-produced track, and, and, and that's kind of J. Cole's way of saying, like, yo, I can really produce. Like, I can really make my own music. And, and I am looking forward to the fact that uh, it's rumored that the entire J. Cole, or maybe this has been confirmed, but the entire J. Cole tri- uh, album is supposed to be produced by only J. Cole. I, I do I do like that. And also there was the, there's another thing going around saying that there are no rap features on the album. It's just J. Cole. He has a few singing features. Our boy Frank shows up again, with, as he should. And, uh, but I, I do like the fact that it's only going to be J. Cole rapping. I, I just need it to be better rapping than niggas now. Jay, have you had a chance to hear the record? Yeah, I heard that joint, man. I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I'm actually, I, I, I'm, I'm with Lawrence. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of recycled, recycled bars, especially Biggie bars. Like you really can't go wrong with, with, with that. But I, I'm, 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 I, Lawrence, I couldn't Lawrence couldn't put it any better. Like I'm, I hold J Cole to a, to possibly even a higher standard than Lawrence does, and I just. It, it, I, I think he could have done away with it. I don't. I, I don't even think he could have be, or he should have even released it. Um, to be honest, but I, I hope that it's not on the album. And that was one of the first things that I that I heard when I heard the track. I just, just like, eh, okay. Like, I mean, I'm not. It's not. I'm not gonna talk about it on what we hear next week. Is it? It's it, it just. It's just. It's just, it's just another song, another track. It's. It's. It's not great. It's not terrible, but it's not great or even even good. It's just okay, and and that's not what I'm expecting from J Cole. I'm not expecting anything on this album to be just okay. I'm expecting everything to be good or 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 terrific, especially if he's gonna you know do what he did and, and push this album up. So I'm not. I'm 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 taking truly yours too. As as a uh, as the preview, even though he said um, don't, <laughs> this is not a this is not a preview of what the album's gonna bring you or nothing like that. Like and nah, I was my my G, it was it was a preview. <laughs> so um, 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not using this, this, this first single as a preview of what's to come um, at all. Um, because if it is, you know, June 18th is going to be the end of J. Cole. So, and I hope that's not what the case will be. So, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I think he's smarter than that. <laughs> I'm just going to put it like that. You both mentioned the June 18th date and, and obviously severe implications there because, let's face it, look at the competition and, and how likely is it that we're going to listen to a song off of Jesus and have those and have the kind of reactions that we're having from this song. I mean, yeah. realistically, what are the chances of that? So you look for it, you, you look for him to bring it. And so, uh, uh, so far, so far, you know, it doesn't say, Tommy, have you, have you had a chance to hear the new J Cole record? Yeah, I heard it. And I completely agree with, with J and L and, and your assessment as well. You know, and, you know, I said last, on last week's show that I'm looking forward to J. Cole's album more so than Kanye's album because right. I, I relate to a guy like J. Cole more. But this gives me cause for concern because, you know, it, I hope he's avoiding the sophomore slump. And, you know, it's one yeah. track, and I'm I, and I'm hoping it's not on, and I'm, I'm like, like you guys have been saying, I'm hoping it's not on the album. Um, but, uh, you know, you hope he's just not, going the 50 cent route and just, you know, putting his album out on the same day as Kanye just so people buy the album. And I don't think J. Cole is that type of artist to do something like that. But, you know, this this this, this single gives me, you know, cause to believe that Kanye's album might smash his album, which, you know, I, I really hope is not, is not the case because I expect a lot more from J. Cole, like you guys are saying. You know, I hold him to that high standard. So... You know, I, this I'm not I'm not too you know I'm not too big on this new single, so you know I'm just I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping to hear better I'm hoping to hear more quality from from J Cole, because there's more things that leak leading up to the album. And we'll certainly keep our eyes and ears open these next couple weeks leading up to that uh, prominent June 18th release date. Um, again, severe implications, and as always, we'll come back here each Saturday and discuss it. Um, going to another kind of area, possible area, cause for concern um, musically in terms of in, in, in the under the genre of hip hop. And Lawrence and I talked about it a little this morning. Joey Badass is back on the scene and released a new song called "Word Is Bond" this week, produced by Static Selecta. Um, he's recently announced that his next EP, the Summer Nights EP, will come out on June 12th, which was originally announced as a pro era group tape, but is now confirmed as just a Joey tape. Um, the the EP Summer Nights will come out June 12th. The first song, Word is Bond, came out this week. Um, and I've got a chance to little, talk about it a little bit with Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence, go ahead and sound off quick on your thoughts on Joey Badass and his kind of return to the rap scene. All right, well, I, I, this is another one of those tracks where I don't hate it. I don't hate it by any means. I, I, I almost can say that I like most things that Joey Badass comes out with. But I'm, I'm going to go back to a point I made when when we talked when I talked about the Meek Mill uh, song in our What We Hear segment, and I said that one thing that we dwell on as consumers, especially I, I, I would say our group, because we I feel like we look at music is a particularly hip hop in, in this instance at least um, from a critical standpoint, and we want to see progression. We want to see guys getting better. We want to see guys kind of stepping out of their own boxes, and I don't think Joey Badass has done that. I think that 
realistically, this song could have been on his 1999 uh, mixtape last summer and, and kind of just been one of those, uh, just another song on there. I mean, if Joey Badass puts out another 1999, he's not going to get it. It's not going to be critically acclaimed. It's not going to be well-received because it, it's, it's good for what it was, and it, it was great for what it was. It was I mean, we said on our blog, we, we unanimously named it the best mixtape of the year last year, and I think that, that it, it deserved that. It, it was quite, it was the best mixtape of the year. It, it, no other mixtapes really stood up to it. But at the same time, I feel like Joey needs to be able to do more. He needs to be more active in terms of the fine-tuning his sound, kind of polishing it. Like if, if every single Drake mixtape or album sounded like Heartbreak Drake, the very first Drake mixtape we listened to, we would have been bored of them by now. We would have been tired of them. We would have given up on them. If every Kendrick album or mixtape sounded like the Kendrick Lamar EP, the first one he put out, we would be bored with Kendrick by now. Like, uh, like there's a certain level of progression that we need from these guys. And I, I understand that Joey Badass sounds good on a certain type of beat, and, and it, it's a, like, feel that goes with his. He's real boom bat. He, he won't deny that whatsoever. He, he's real New York, kind of likes the New York like I said, boom bat, like 1990s rap scene sound, and and that's what he goes for. But I, I mean, he needs to he needs to bring something to today. He needs to be able to take a little bit of of everything from what current and and popular in hip hop and put his own twist on it. And he's not. He's just he's literally just sitting in his own bag saying, you know, that I'm Joey Badass. I make these types of songs, and I'm going to continue to make these types of songs, which is fine. And he's going to keep the 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 adamant Joey Badass fans, but at the same time, he's not going to reach out to more people by sticking to that same exact sound that he came out with. I want him to progress. I told Martin this. I mean, this may sound like a joke, but when I first heard Word is Born, I literally fell asleep on it. And I don't mean like I like I like just decided to stop listening to it. I mean, literally, I played the song. I was laying down in my living room, and I fell asleep while listening to it. I mean, and, and that's not to say it wasn't exciting at all, because I was excited that there was a new Joey Badass song, but it, it just wasn't anything substantial. It wasn't anything different than anything else that I had heard from Joey Badass. I felt like on the track, he wasn't going to tell me anything different about himself than what he has before. And, Were you and tired? I, what's up? Were you tired? Oh, I was mad. Did you have a long day? I was day? mad tired. I had, a, oh, okay. I had a real long day. Yeah, no, no. I'm, not, I'm not saying that Joey Badass induced the sleep when I, I like right after I drank three cups of coffee. Joey Badass still put me to sleep, but I'm saying that if there was a new Kanye song or a new Cole or Kendrick or something like that that like was really grabbing my attention, I wouldn't have been able to fall asleep on the couch listening to that song. But the the Joey maybe song, what? <laughs> maybe if, maybe if I was like deathly tired, but I wasn't deathly tired. I only fell asleep for like five minutes and got right back up. So I literally just slept through Joey's song, and then was just like, all right, well, I'm back up and at him. 
But like I, I just I want I want to see more from Joey. I want him I want him to progress. I, I hope this summer night he's gonna kind of try to do uh, kind of try to step out of the box, push his own limits. Like that that's realistically all you can do in this music thing is you push you like you know what you're good at. Push that kind of like keep the fans on their toes. People people are so scared of like losing their losing their demographic by doing anything different that they kind of remain complacent in the sound that they have and the sound that got them there. And and I mean there's bad ways of going about that, i.e. with Khalifa with with rolling papers right. and and everything previous to it. There's bad ways, but then there's good ways like Kendrick, like you're like Good Kid, Mad City didn't sound like Section 80. And it didn't sound like the Kendrick Lamar EP or or any of the other tapes because he he progressed. He he found a way to be able to push the limits of the music that he's actually making, put his own twist on it, and make it cool, make it fresh, make it new. That's what Joey Badass needs to do, and he's not, and he didn't do this with words ball. So I would I would give it a honestly a six on a one to ten scale and say that it's it's cool because Joey Badass can actually really, really rap. So I mean if you want to hear somebody that can really, really rap and you've never heard Joey Badass, listen to Word is Bonnie, you'll like it. But at the same time when you go back and listen to his old stuff, you'll say, Oh, this sounds this sounds just like the stuff he put out a year ago. He has to grow. He has to grow. He's still a kid. He's only like 18 or 19 years old, so he certainly has the room to do it. I think he just needs to be more willing to to step outside of his own box. Well, that's strong points. And and Jay, I feel I feel disappointed to to a degree because. And Lawrence touched on it. I mean, when you're talking about lyrically, I, I, I'm of the mindset that Joey Badass is one of the more gifted lyricists we have right now. And obviously he's very young um, and he's still up and coming. But and again, like Lawrence said, you know, his mixtape was number one on our top uh, top ten mixtapes of last year. Um, he, he came on with a strong impression. And, and Lawrence made strong, very strong points about the, the whole progression thing that we so often talk about. And I told Lawrence this morning, I think one of the main areas of critique and probably the largest flaw for Joey is comes with his delivery. I think his delivery is just so monotonous that, unfortunately for Lawrence, it put, put someone like Lawrence to sleep when he was tired. I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't necessarily uh, bring you out of your seat. It's not It's not a really, uh, it, it, it's not like an energetic sermon. He, he's, not, he's not one of those preachers that's going to get you up and start shouting. He's one of those dull preachers that has you sweating in the church for three hours. You know what I mean? But he's coming with good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's coming with good it's stuff. Just no, it's just no real, real, like, high-energy stuff. Yeah, and it's not to well, say that he needs to come up like me and start screaming, but, but there is... There's room there for maybe you know maybe a more of a lively approach, maybe something different. What do you think, Jay? Uh, see, it, this is this is it, it's interesting with Joey because it's hard to follow up something that good when you're that young. Like let's be let's sure. be real. Earl had the same sure. sort of impact with that Earl thing. What have we heard anything even matching what Earl did on on his initial mixtape? No. So no. it's it's. It's it's very he, not that he put himself in that position, but that mixtape was so good, the timing was perfect, everything about it was perfect. That now we're expecting him to snap on everything. All right, like, am I right? We're expecting, yeah. we're expecting him to really, really, really like snap on every single song that we hear. 
is he never gave us any reason not to think that. And we and 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 it's it's going to be hard for him for the rest of his career, as it is for Earl. I and I put them two as the the young lyricists that are coming up that have the most promise. Um, but it, it, they they kind of put themselves in this situation with how good those first projects were. That if it's not snacking, we don't think it's great, and and we don't think it's good because we have we have a we have a standard for them that 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 possibly could be too much for them to reach, or too much for anybody to reach. So it's it's, it's going to be difficult for it's going to be difficult for Joey. It's going it's going to be difficult for Earl. I, I my thing is I'm going to remain patient with him, and and okay. and I have and I've had and I have had problems with some of the newer stuff that he's coming that that he's came with. I, I think his clothes mm-hmm. have been a little bit weird for me. I haven't I haven't been in love with him. I think he's actually trying to do too much and trying to be too complicated in a way. If you if you get what I'm saying. Like his his mm-hmm. delivery and stuff like that, he's trying to show that yeah, I'm I'm this elite lyricist instead of letting things come to him, which he probably did on that nineteen ninety nine mixtape. Now he's trying to force it and trying to be too complicated, which I don't think is going to help him too much, if you know what I mean. So yeah. um, uh, I, I just it's going to be difficult for him, and, and I feel bad because, he, because he's young and he's still learning realistically. But um, I, for, for, for me, for him, Lawrence, I don't know if I necessarily want to see progression right now. I want to see him kind of master what he did on that first one. And and that's more so what I'm looking for with with Joey than than anything else. Good stuff on Joey Badass. Uh, T Hill, any final thoughts on Joey Badass before we cut to our last commercial? Um, just listening to what you guys are saying, you know, you put me up on on Joey Badass, like you know, and I would just piggyback off what Jay was saying. To be honest, you know, I feel like the kid is too young for him to be trying to explore his diversity right now. I feel like he has to stay in his lane kind of and perfect what he's doing right now. You know, and then, as Jay was saying, as things are coming to him, that's when the progression is going to come. You know, I I don't feel like, I feel like it's too early for him to start experimenting with, you know, new flows, new ideas, or so, so what have you. You know, just perfect what you're doing right now. Stay in your lane. Get some new beats. You know, just just keep perfecting what you're doing, which is working right now. And you know, the, prog- the progression will come that way. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good. Good. Good points all around there on uh, on Joey Badass as well as all our topics. Um, our music segment again is loosely based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, uh, where you can find features and reviews and all that good stuff. Um, we're going to kick to our final commercial for a couple minutes. I'll come back real quick and do my quick rant on what's going on this week, what I've been watching on TV, and um, we'll wrap up our show for today. It's The Collective. Yeah. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. 
Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read finalcall.com. So just under about just under a minute left of our show here, wrapping up on the day. Um, another good day of discussion in sports music. Um, as always, this is the collective coming at you every week, 1 to 3 p.m., running off with my co-hosts Lawrence and Jason Reels and Tommy Hill. We'll come back next week and talk about the revolution finale on NBC this Monday. I'll be grouped in um, talking a little bit more about Hannibal, which has been renewed on NBC for next season, and I'll have Jason share his thoughts on whatever reason why he's watching The Walking Dead on AMC. Uh, we'll get into more of that in the coming weeks. Thank you for joining us. This is The Collective signing off.